I was invited to participate in Podcast Row, an initiative partnering up-and-coming entrepreneurs and brands with top business and peak performance podcasters, that's me, for networking, podcast interviews, and content creation. And Leadership in the Environment guest, recent guest Jeremy Ryan Slate was also part of it. And also James Altucher not only participated, but he was one of the main planners. Running into him there is how he came to be a guest on this podcast a couple weeks ago. And we recorded at Stand Up New York, I guess a stand-up club where James Altucher, he's a co-owner, and actually he treated us to some of his stand-up. I'm sorry I didn't record that. Anyway, the next seven episodes bring the seven up-and-coming entrepreneurs, friends of James Altucher, and various people who were participating. Now, because we recorded back-to-back, the recordings had to be under 30 minutes, so I couldn't talk about the environment with each, but each is a leader. I hope that you can learn from each of them, and if they're in your field, work with them. Alyssa starts by sharing that she does PR, and it's a networking space, so this is a no-nonsense business-to-business world. You can also hear her passion. You'll hear that fundamentally, she works on developing stories and sharing those stories. Her work is also about people. She geeks out, as geeks like us do, about her edge data center's work, sharing how she works with analysts to get that story out. And she shares the underlying passion driving her. It seems like this is her life passion, which is to take what she saw growing up in her lifetime with networking and what technology enables people to do together. And she wants to bring the evolution of that technology, especially networking, for people and businesses today. She helps them understand what it does for them, which is to bring down barriers between where we are and what technology enables. Welcome to the Leadership in the Environment podcast. This is Joshua Spodek. I'm here with Alyssa Miller. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me today. Glad to have you here. And I, I just said before we started, I, I, PR, you do PR. I do PR, yes. And I'm, I feel like PR gets a bad rap. And I've, I've had really great experiences with PR. And I don't understand discrepancy. And you know it better than I do. And usually when I talk to PR people, it's because I'm paying them. And so, but now I, I feel like you can give the inside scoop. Mm-hmm. And the way you, when I said, do you mind if we talk about that? You're like, of course. What is PR to you? Um, I'm kind of curious of like what PR is to you, but maybe I should ask how you happen to start what you do and what you, how is what you do different than what everyone else does? Yeah. So um, my firm, I, I started my firm about eight years ago and I focus on the communications infrastructure space. It's all B2B. Um, not your typical PR place. No, yeah. no. And I am not your typical PR person either. I'm not from a PR, traditional PR background. I started the company uh, to do public relations, which to me means that you are um, creating a company personality with the general public. It's not just the media or analysts. It's anybody that has to interact with that company. Um, and I come from the industry, the telecom and communication infrastructure industry, where I did product management, business development, marketing, communications, all of that. And I love... Can you say more about that industry? Like what's a typical product in an industry or service? Yeah, it's a great question. So um, it's literally connecting the world. Anything from subsea cable systems to terrestrial networks, which is your internet connection, Mm -hmm. to wireless infrastructure that allows you to use your mobile phone for data or voice. Um, It's everything and anything in between. Uh, So it's that communications infrastructure, the fiber that's in the ground. It's the fiber that goes up the walls in your building. It's the fiber that connects your homes and then the internet ultimately that allows you to get access to all the information anywhere so this is infusing our lives more and more every day 
it's integral to our lives. Mm-hmm. Okay. Absolutely, yes. It, you can't survive without having communications today. Period. I mean, mm-hmm. we we just we know that. I mean, look at the woman who was just saved in Hawaii. She didn't have access to to, to cell phone, and you know she was lucky to survive a couple of weeks, right? I didn't know. I, I haven't seen yeah. the story. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You'll have to look up the story. Okay. It's an interesting story. Hiker. And so, okay, so you you are of this industry. And then you start, sorry, and interrupted because I wanted to get a bit more of a description of it. Yeah, so um, I was in the industry, and then I realized that the industry needed somebody who can understand the technical speak and the business speak and translate to the business. The why really is what matters. It's not the how, the who, the what, it's Mm -hmm. the why. And everybody in the telecommunications and the infrastructure space, they're so busy talking about jargon, right? We've got SDN and T1s and E1s Uh and, you know, any kind of jargon that they can come up with. But most people just want to know, well, what is that? And what does that do? To your point, you know, Mm -hmm. I said communications infrastructure, and you asked me, well, what is that, right? So it's the subsea cable systems that come into a data center that go to a network like an AT&T, Verizon, or various other companies that are building regional networks. And so I got into it um, because I loved creating communications for the communications infrastructure space. I know it kind of sounds interesting. Um, And I like to tell the stories. I like to um, translate the technical jargon into something that can be really palatable to people that help people understand what it is and what it means to their lives. I felt that it was really, uh, it's really important to creating and enabling global economies when you're literally connecting wires throughout the world to allow communications, any type of communications, you're creating global economies. And so that to me was really, truly inspiring about the industry. And so that's when I started my company, I was lucky enough to start that uh, by having some experience experience at another PR firm, a small boutique PR firm that I was a partner in and helped really bring to market. So you, and you left the field to go into PR and get mm-hmm. your um, early experiences there yeah. before doing it on your own. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And so I, um, I basically, I hate to say it, but I made it up as I went along and I still do. Um, it really is. It comes from the logic of how do you get, how do you create a message and how do you get that message out there? I do use a lot of resources, right? The PRSA, the public relations society of America. I do a lot of reading, um, and understanding about trends and cycles, but a lot of the PR space is really about making sure that a message is clear and that it has a channel to market to be able to reach its target target audience it's now when you say you have to create a story you have to create a message i would have naively believe i think naively thought if it's business to business businesses just want to know dollars and cents and but as i'm saying this i'm thinking okay it may be from business to a business but the people on the receiving end of that are people exactly yes we always have to remember that that people are people right and and even though it's a business to business a person is making a decision for a company and they have to make a decision for the company based on the company's needs the company's philosophy but also they're a person so they make decisions based on emotions people are that's just how people buy so do they like the person that's selling to them or do they not do they like the product and is it simple enough for them to understand or is it not so they're going to make decisions as an individual regardless of what company they're at 
So I like it how I, I, I think this is something that I try to get across to people and I forget all the time, but people make decisions based on emotions. And the, I'll, I'll say it how I think of it. Tell me if this, if this rings true for you. People make decisions based on emotions. Our emotional system was there long before a logical system. And logic is just one input among many. And if, if we get annoyed at people for making choices that seem illogical, we're not understanding how the mind works or how we were or the, how, how the heart works. And in your business, I think a lot of, as I see it, I would guess a lot of people would say, it's just be very cold and logical and just tell them, uh, you know, this one will save you money or that one will make you more revenue. And is that what works? Not necessarily <laughs> because colors work. Um, you know, the type of avenue or vehicle that you're sharing information, whether it's an email, a, an ad, a visual, an infographic, all of those different types of communications appeal to different types of people. Everyone is different and everyone makes decisions differently. Some are definitely more emotional than others. Some are more logical. So you have to find various different avenues to communicate your message that will reach to the broadest market and that means that you have to have various tools to be able to bring to the, your your messages to market now, I don't know how many I don't know if your clients you have to keep things confidential or what but I'm curious have you done something where it like you you hit the ball out of the park and you're just like very satisfied with the result of like wow that really worked I what if that's the case what characterizes that what you know, um, that, that's a good question. What characterizes it? You know, it, it, it's, it's a lot of things. Um, one of my favorite campaigns that I worked on about six years ago was the Edge Data Center campaign. The Edge Data Center campaign was built around this concept that there is going to be a need for an Edge Data Center. Well, what is an Edge Data yeah. Center? Well, we got to define it. An Edge Data Center is a data center that's in a maybe two, a tier three market, not a tier one market, which, which are your typical NFL cities, not a tier two market, which is kind of like a, you know, a Philadelphia or a Pittsburgh, um, but a tier three market, right? A little bit step away. And it's going to be closer to Edge users and it's comparable to the population of internet users when the internet came out 15 years ago right where the internet's been around for 30 years but 15 years ago when the internet was starting to be proliferated in in tier one cities you had a certain amount of population on it now that population is in tier three cities so the concept was that we had to stretch the internet to reach a greater number of people in order to deliver the greatest amount of content to those people. With streaming, services, gaming, video, etc., you need to have a lot of bandwidth. So Edge Data Centers was an idea that would allow you to... Um, to, to put a smaller point of presence into a facility that would cache your content locally, that would keep your content, that would keep kind of a memory of your content locally mm -hmm. so that it would be accessible to that local market uh, better, faster, and more reliably. And you didn't need a lot of space for that. You needed 10,000 square feet or less, where most facilities are much greater than 10,000 square feet. They're big warehouses or buildings. And so we created the storyline around what an edge data center is and what it does. And we started to tell the story. We didn't tie it to any company yet. 
And the purpose of that was because we had a company that was about to be launched and to talk about them providing one of the very first edge data center solutions. So we had to prime the market. We had to teach the market new terminology. We helped define that terminology in the market. We had to then ensure that the influencers felt comfortable with that definition and they had to buy into it. Then they had to start talking about edge data centers. And then about six to nine months or so after that, we launched the company. And at the time, the company was Edge Connects. And we launched the company Edge Connects as providing edge data centers. And it met the definition at that time. That you guys had put out. Absolutely. And so today, and that company actually trademarked the the term edge data centers. Mm -hmm. And today you will hear edge data centers in the data center space as a day-to-day terminology. Um, So much so that I was at a conference a couple of weeks ago that they banned the word because it's just so overused. And there's a lot of different types of edge edges. Now there's the micro edge, there's the, you know, macro edge, there's, you can, you, everybody's taken this term to create their own definitions because they saw that we were able to define that term. It got adopted in the marketplace and now it's being used and people are further defining it as they get closer and closer to the end user, which is the edge, or the device, which is your mobile phone. Did people? So the people in the market, the influencers, for example, they didn't. Did they know that you were what was going on, or I mean, they just kind of you just got the ripples going, and they we got the ripples going. We wrote articles about it. We defined it. We we had to clearly. And if you're going to do this, and this is a pointer to anybody who's looking to create a new uh, lexicon, right, for for an industry terminology, you have to. You have to define it, and you have to define it in a way that makes sense to the rest of the marketplace. You have to socialize it. You have to get buy-in without giving it away, right, without giving the power of the terms to other people. But you have to get that resonating sense from other users and other types of companies who might be interested in this type of solution. It has to be something different and unique and well-defined. And that way, you can then present it to the influencers, like the analysts. So we had to do a very deep dive analyst program where uh, no, the, the industry analysts okay. who, you know, like a Gartner or Forrester, Frost and Sullivan, Ovum, IDC, all of those companies are looking at technology solutions to advise businesses. Um, they write reports to allow enterprise companies to make decisions on what kind of technologies. So that's usually the first place I usually start when in a PR campaign like this, that we have to influence the influencers first. And those are the analysts. Once the analysts buy into it, they start to write about this new market and they help define that for you and with you. They either redefine it to meet a a definition that they're more comfortable with, or they buy into your definition and maybe expand on it a little bit more. But the key then is that once the analysts start to adopt into that and write about it, then the media are going to be more open to it because the first place the media go to to get substantial information on the stories they write are the analysts. So you have the enterprise, the end user buyers looking at the analysts, and you have the media looking at the analysts as experts. So that's why we started with the analysts. And then we went into the media organizations who then were able to substantiate the edge data center story through the analyst perspective. And then we were able to launch a company that was based on the edge data center model, creating the first edge data center company that was initially substantiated by the analysts, told the story by the media and then 
initiated by an, an actual company that came to life. Now that, so that's at a high level, the how-to or mm -hmm. what happened. I, I, I am sure that the, I'm seeing the look in your eye that I'm sure the readers, listeners can pick up in your voice is that there's a passion in what you're doing. You're not just like, I, I have to do this or else I'm going to like not be able to pay my rent. Mm -hmm. So what do you, is it, I, I, I hope this question makes sense. What are you doing when you're doing this? Like in your heart, like, it's not like I'm influencing analysts. I mean, that's what you're doing. Yeah. 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 No, I'm, um, Listen, you know, I, I was very fortunate enough to grow up in an age where I went through school and the internet didn't exist. I remember going into my college dorm as a freshman, and I'll give away my age. Um, I graduated high school in 89, so went to college, and there was a computer room. in, And I was, I was instantly, you know, mesmerized by it because there were people typing away, laughing at the screen, and all you could see are not numbers and letters on the screen. Well, what are they doing? They were on the bitnet. They were doing internet relay chat, IRC, which was basically connecting with other people. And I didn't quite understand it at the time, but that was the extension of what ARPANET, which is the founding, um, the original internet was. It was created by the government, and then it was expanded to universities and research institutions to share information more freely. So at a university, it made a lot of sense that we had access to the internet. And we were able to chat with people who were in the military, right? So the schools and research institutions institutions all connected. Well, that instantly, you know, after I graduated high school, AOL was launched and AOL was a, was exactly the same thing, except it was a graphical interface that allowed you to logically figure out how to log on to the internet. You didn't have to use all these big, long, you know, commands, um, that DOS required. Now you had a graphic interface that allowed anybody to do quote unquote internet relay chat, which was instant messaging. I am. And that evolved. And because of that evolution, and I was there and I, I started in, in, in the working industry with barely a computer at the desk, um, I was mesmerized by what the computer enabled us to do faster. It allowed us to connect people. And when I got into the telecom industry, I was really fortunate to work with um, a consulting firm, a small consulting firm. And we were behind the launch of a subsea cable called AC1, which at the time was the resurgence of the new subsea cable systems that was fortifying the infrastructure and the connectivity between the continents. This is what drove us to be able to share well, so information. Just think about this. It just right? works. This, it just works. But I had the pleasure, the insight, the opportunity to really see how it works, why it works, how to help make it work, to bring these companies together to help make it work, to solve these problems, to figure out how to get the languages to talk to one another. What is Ethernet? All of those types of things. And so when I do what I do, it's because of that passion of, wow, we're really literally changing the world. And with IoT and everyone hearing about all these buzzwords out there, think about what that means. You know, in 10 years from now, there are things that we're going to be able to measure and look into from a data perspective, maybe even have cars driving around. You know, we, we hear about all these things, the self-driving uh, cars. The whole world is changing because of technology. And what I do in, in, in my firm at IMPR, we are helping to communicate the possibilities of tomorrow. And that's really what I believe in, is that, you know, each inch by inch, each solution... 
brings us Here closer. I know, right? <laughs> Each solution brings us closer to the possibilities that communications can enable us to achieve. And if you can see where we were 20, 30 years ago to where we are now, I can't even imagine where we're going to be 20 or 30 years. And so I feel like we have a small little role to play in educating, enabling, and inspiring people to take part in the evolution of technology here and now. We being IMPR. We being individuals, everyone, you and I, right? As people, we're, we're, we're in, we're, we are working with that technology in whether it's on our phone or sending emails or posting this podcast and streaming it live. We are interplaying with that technology that we talk about, the companies that we represent are doing. They are empowering us to do all these things at the end of the day. So, okay, so I picked up that you were mesmerized at the beginning, and that was something that you could keep to yourself, but I feel like that's something you want to bring out. Mm -hmm. Then, and it's not just, me, but you said something different about later that now it's this connectivity and being enabling people and companies to connect with each other and, and, and bring something fascinating, something kind of, what, what do you bring to the world? What, what is it? What is it? Is it mesmerization or is it, or that magnitude of thing? So it's a great question. So a good example, um, of, of one of the platforms that I use to help engage people and inspire people is an association I run called NEDAS. And at the end of the day, you have to educate people about the technology, the capabilities, and the opportunities that it can offer businesses from a day-to-day -day standpoint or new business entrepreneurial opportunities like self-driving cars, for example. And so NEDAS, as an organization, uh, focused initially on the in-building wireless space. You can't have an office today in a commercial building if it doesn't have high-speed internet because tenants require that. They need to stream, they need to email, they need to access the cloud. So helping real estate owners and operators understand what technology will do for their tenants is important and understanding whose responsibility it is to get that technology into the building to enable their, their tenants. It's really the real estate folks. And so it evolved over the years because right now we have this, this point where wireless is becoming so much more powerful than just the wireline network. And why it will never be better or stronger than the wireline network, but wireless is everywhere. It's ubiquitous. It's in your hand. It's anywhere that you go. And you can't have a wireless wireless network without a wireline network. And nobody really understands that. And we still continue to have siloed uh, communications in major large companies where the wireline folks are innovating, but the wireless folks are also innovating, but they're not talking to each other. And so I create conferences and opportunities that allow both sides of the business to talk to one another. We call it where wireline and wireless meet. Because if you don't understand how to innovate that works well together with the wireless and the wireline and how they work and talk to one another, you can't innovate because they have to work together. And so you can't work in these silos. You have to be able to, to branch out and understand the language, the lexicon, the terminology. And the wireless industry talks about things in different ways than the wireline industry. But if we can just break it down, if we're really all saying the same thing, it just happens to be different. So, so a, good, a good example, if you don't mind, is um, when you talk about sending bits over a... Um, 
a wireline network. You might call that, you know, IP um, for internet protocol. It's the type of transmission that you're sending over that wireline. In wireless, we're going to call it a spectrum. Mm -hmm. It does the same thing, but it's called different things. And if we can break down why we call things differently and understand how the close and similar they are, we're going to be able to innovate that much faster and more efficiently. And that's my goal, is to help break down those barriers, help us hear each other, help us speak the same language so that we can innovate faster and get to where our visions are, are taking us for tomorrow. It sounds like you described the internet. I mean, it feels like you're Literally. doing for the internet business what the internet is for. And it must be doubly satisfying to oh, be able yeah. to deliver what you love I don't want to say meta, but like in it, you get to deliver for a business, for a field, what the internet does, and we all value. I wish you could go on. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Alyssa Miller, thank you very much. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thanks for your time. I wish we had more time. Yeah. Yeah.